For more than 60 years, researchers have explored stereotypes of scientists. During this time, they have attempted to isolate the small number of essential, simplified criteria that represent a scientist. This work began in the 1950s when two cultural anthropologists, called Margaret Mead and Rhoda Maitreau, drew on the perceptions of American high school students to produce a composite image of a scientist. Their findings, published in the journal Science, described a stereotype that still features in some forms of popular culture. Why does the 1950s stereotype of a scientist endure? How does this image relate to what 21st century scientists actually look like and do? And how do people, particularly young people, respond to images of scientists from popular culture? In this feature, Dr Richard Holliman from The Open University reflects on the findings of a research project called Invisible Witnesses to explore these questions. In doing so, he considers some of the implications of the 1950s stereotype for how scientists are perceived in the public sphere. Unhelpful stereotype number 42. The mad scientist. When I think of a scientist, I think of, like, a mad scientist. A bit Einstein-looking, probably. Big glasses, it's like the crazy hair. And a long white coat and uh, goggles as well. Maybe a moustache. <laughs> Normally I think scientists are quite geeky because, like, if you think about a scientist, you have to be quite clever. Someone that studies hard that doesn't go out and just is really, like, focused on doing work and stuff like that. Looks like he's been blown up with experiments a lot. Mid-50s, early-60s sort of age. Bit of a loner, maybe. <laughs> well, not, not many people can see him. Mysterious man. He would work perhaps at a university or something like that. Or... On his own, in his own lab at home. So maybe in his own basement or something, doing crazy experiments. I don't know why, but I always just imagine them to be men normally. It always is. In, like, cartoons and things, they're always guys that look like that, the scientists. Sound familiar? These descriptions are from a group of young people aged between 16 and 18. We asked them to describe their idea of a stereotypical scientist. For over 60 years, researchers have explored these stereotypes, isolating the small number of essential, simplified criteria that represent the image of a scientist. So where does this stereotype come from? Does it reflect what 21st century scientists actually look like and do? And how do people, particularly young people, respond to it? Let's hear from an imaginary scientist from the 1950s. Hello. Welcome to 1957. I am your grandparents' idea of a scientist. Why don't you come into my secret underground laboratory? Oh, excuse the mess. I'll just put on my white coat. Oh, be careful of those test tubes. And that lit Bunsen burner. You, oh, yes. Um, oh, these little critters are some guinea pigs we're working on. <laughs> uh, but the main research we've been doing in here is about me, because I am the culmination of the popular image of a scientist. I am a middle-aged male. Uh, you can tell that from my beard and my bald head. Oh, please excuse my disheveled appearance and stoop. My back is so sore from too many hours leaning over the lab bench. I spend my day doing experiments, uh, pouring chemicals from one test tube into another. 
Sometimes I take off my spectacles to look down a microscope or to scan the heavens through a telescope. <laughs> I have eureka moments. <laughs> then I write things down neatly in my black notebook. <laughs> I am intelligent, patient, and open-minded, but I am also overworked, undervalued, and lonely. This evocative description is derived from research conducted in America in the 1950s. So that explains the American accent. Two cultural anthropologists, called Margaret Mead and Rhoda Matrua, drew on the perceptions of American high school students to produce this composite image of a 1950s scientist. So why does this image endure? If you look at some of the films in the 50s and 60s, you had this massive explosion in science. And there was a real belief, I think, that science was going to sweep everything else before it and create the perfect world. And you see all these images of people in white coats telling you, and they, they are almost preaching at you, seemingly all-knowing. But as we've started to find out, we're just as fallible as the next person. Obviously, then, popular culture has a role in reproducing this stereotypical image of the 1950s scientist. Our research on children's television shows that this image is actually alive and kicking. Try watching some children's television if you don't believe me. Animated cartoons, game shows and comedy programmes are a really good place to start. But how do these images compare with how 21st century scientists see themselves and their colleagues? Let me assure you that most scientists are actually quite normal people. They do know how to dress you know, look good at the weekend. They know how to go out and have a good time too. Scientists are just normal people who are a bit wacky. We actually really are passionate about what we do. This is the whole breaking back the frontier of science. They tend to often be quite driven because of the passion they have for the subject that they're discovering. You go home at night and you can't switch off. You're always thinking about what's going on. It was, and I think it still is a way of life. You choose it not because you see it as a career, but you're doing it because it's something you want to do. Hold the front page. Scientists are normal people after all. So passion, tick, and the ability to party, tick. What else might you need to be a 21st century scientist? We like the challenge. None of us do a nine-to-five jogs. I think we'd be bored. I think we have, we have a very low boredom threshold and we need to be simulated the whole time and doing science you know we do something different every day but also actually very full of energy enthusiasm and having quirky ways of looking at the world around us and we're always trying to think about different ideas and concepts and it's the fact we're making a difference you know you get a paper published in an international journal that's that's amazing questioning why does that happen what makes it happen i wonder whether i can find out more I would say curiosity is a very important trait in a scientist. If you're curious about anything, you'll be a good scientist. So, we have some idea of how 21st century scientists see themselves and the types of characteristics they value. But what do they actually do? I'm James Bruce. I'm a lecturer in chemistry. I'm interested in how molecules interact with each other. I'm interested in how they interact with light and applying that to the diagnosis and treatment of diseases such as cancer. My name's Dr Karen Olson-Francis. I'm a postdoctoral research scientist. I look at microbial survival in extreme environments, focusing on space. So I send microbes up onto the International Space Station and look at survivability. So people are quite interested in, in what I do. It's looking at potentially life surviving in space and potential applications for the future for space. My name is Manish Patel and my area is um, planetary science and exploration of the solar system. So looking into what happens on Mars, how we get to Mars. 
I was involved in the Beagle 2 mission where I had the opportunity to build an instrument as part of my PhD studies to actually fly on the mission to go to Mars. I'm Caroline Douglas and I work in the science faculty and a little bit in earth and environmental sciences. My degree was in geology, so lots of rocks, and then I followed up with some research on Martian meteorites. My name is Corin Rooney, laboratory technician. Some of the work we do is about uh, greenhouse gas release from natural environments and also from waste. And we can create in the lab artificial environments that mimic the environment they were in out in the field. These examples illustrate the research interests of the Open University scientists we interviewed for this feature. But they're everywhere. What's more, the same scientist could find him or herself in the Australian outback in a high-tech lab at a high-profile conference or strutting the streets of Whitehall to advise a government department. Some scientists even appear on television, which brings us back to where we started. Unhelpful stereotype number 42, the mad scientist. That 1950s stereotype endures, so some challenges certainly remain. But it's not all doom and gloom, far from it. In our research, we found that children and young people demonstrate sophisticated media literacy skills. They differentiate between fact and fiction, and they have the skills to deconstruct stereotypes. Hello, my name's Ben. I'm 18 years old. I've just finished my A-levels, and I'm hoping to study radio production at De Montfort University at the end of September. Nowadays, scientists can be anybody, I suppose. I mean, any ethnicity, male or female, it really doesn't matter anymore because there are so many different branches of, of scientific study and research now that they could be working in anything from shampooing mice to rocket science. So it's very, very wide-ranging. Perhaps, then, we should raise our hats to Dr Martha Jones, a fictional character from the long-running sci-fi series Doctor Who. She's the sort of character you would aspire to because she's more independent and cooler, really. <laughs> <laughs> Having that sort of role on television is good. Because it does make people like me, even though I'm not, I don't want to do science, but people who might do at my age would more aspire to be that sort of character than the typical Einstein sort of character. That's sort of seen as boring now. Like, loads of my friends are interested in doing science at uni rather than something that would be thought to be, like, womanly or feminine or something. I don't know, it shows that it doesn't really matter, like, genders and stuff, and it means that more girls my age are starting to become interested in sciences. So, female and male scientists are now being shown in TV dramas for primetime viewing. They're appearing in other genres too, including those specifically produced for preschool and school-aged children and young people. These include news, natural history and educational programmes, but also animated cartoons, comedy and game shows. It follows the different types of scientists are now being represented on television, and at least some of them challenge the 1950s stereotype. This is where systematic research of the types of images shown on television has a role to play, particularly when it's combined with a study of how children and young people make sense of these images. If we look across children's television, as colleagues and I did during the Invisible Witnesses project, what we see is a very mixed picture. So for every type, such as Lisa Simpson, there's a stereotype, Think Professor Frink. And for every Nina and her neurons for preschoolers, there is a Professor Muddles. And for every expedition to the Amazon rainforest, there's a game show based in an underground laboratory. So there is more diverse imagery on children's television. The 1950s stereotype 
is now being mixed in with other images. The important thing then is to ensure that both the female and the male scientists that are shown are authentic and that they represent what it actually means to be a scientist in the 21st century. Our research suggests that children and young people working with scientists and media producers could make important contributions to this process, in particular to the development of scientist characters for children's television. Imagining Scientists was written and presented by Dr Richard Holliman on behalf of the Invisible Witnesses project team. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash invisible hyphen witnesses.